Hello and welcome back to the Behind the Goal podcast uh, with me, Harry, and uh, my my good friend, Zishan. Hello. Hello. How's everyone doing? We had an interesting weekend this week. Would you like to remind everyone of the key events from the past weekend, Zishan? Um, let me see. Um... City scored another dodgy goal. They they did, yeah. Uh, I, Evan Ferguson scored a, a hat trick. Yeah, I wish I'd seen that coming. Um, I he'd been in my fantasy team for the first three games, and I put him on the bench. <laughs> I saw that. I thought, well, he's not looking like he's scoring many goals at the moment. Put him on the bench, scores a hat trick. Got seventeen points sitting on the bench. Devastating. Um, Everton scored twice. 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 They scored that, twice. That goal they conceded, though, the one that came off Pickford's back. Um, such <laughs> <laughs> such an Everton goal to concede. Oh, that was funny. I love it when that happens. It was the I love those sorts of goals when it goes in off the goalkeeper's back and they can't do anything about it. Jorginho oh. against Aston Villa was one of my favourite goals of the whole season, going off Emmy Martinez's head. We had the last minute one. Yeah, yeah that was that. great. Especially well, as it was Emmy Martinez. I mean, couldn't have happened to a better goalkeeper. Yeah. There was no football. Yeah. There was no football on Sunday that I could remember. So, uh, oh well, quickly skip over that. Yeah, let's start. Let's start on Friday instead. What happened on Friday? Was there a Friday game? Luton West Ham. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that upset me because Luton let me down. They did. They scored though. They Kenilworth Road saw its first Premier League goal celebrations. Um the atmosphere um, was shit. Well yeah. It, I mean it is effectively a big shed. Um I, I thought it'd be uh, better. I thought they'd be more up for it, but it was just like this. I guess just give up. I guess it's hard for us to know what it's like to be a team who pretty much everyone has already assumed is going to get relegated. Yeah, I guess. Um, it's a. <laughs> uh, you've kind of got to. The mentality you have to have as a fan going into every game mm. is a. It's probably a hard one for us to relate to. Yeah, a, it's backs against the wall, isn't it? Every single game. Yeah, it's basically they are a team that everyone in the league will be thinking we have to beat mm. them. Yeah, that the, these are three points we have to get. Um, and that, as a as a fan of that team, is probably uh, I'm not sure you kind of have to have quite low expectations, I guess. But then I guess in a way you'd expect them to be bit more up for it i i didn't actually watch that game so i can't comment on the atmosphere i had but, um, it in the background and it just seemed like for the first like 10 15 minutes it was like kind of like oh Luton are here and then after that they're like yeah we're not good enough for this yeah there is have they they've lost every game right so yeah zero points oh three defeats i've only played three games but um yeah yeah but, um, yeah, 
another good result for West Ham, though. So, yeah, they've been doing well, and they I wa- I watched them uh, bits and bits from that game when I was paying attention, and they weren't too bad. They yeah, actually, well, they are. Yeah, they actually had some good sequences of play. I think looking at Kenilworth Road, if anyone watched the game. You can see how it's a very narrow and long pitch, which is quite unusual to what we see yeah. in the Premier League. So West Ham got their, one of their goals from a half space and the other one from a corner, but the half space goal was beautiful, but played by Paqueta, uh, who started the season well. Yeah. I think teams are going to have to play a bit different to Luton. The quality they have, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference, to be honest. I think, yeah, I think Luton are going to have to, uh, I think, play in a pretty pragmatic way to get results this season. Definitely. Um, a bit of a throwback, I think, they're going to have to be. Um, but West Ham, one of six teams who haven't lost yet, one mm. of the uh, four teams who are on 10 points, three wins and a draw, Tottenham, yeah. Liverpool and Arsenal being the others. They've had a very good start, I think, and after losing Declan Rice, a much better start than many would have anticipated. Doesn't he, I think I predicted them to finish 16th for the start of the season, so yeah, much I better than I thought they'd be. So, yeah, I mean, I think Ward Prowse is continuing to look like a very astute signing. He's just, he, I think you said it last week, he's just a West Ham player. Yeah, he is. He, he is. He's just a West Ham player. It's like he was designed in a lab to play for West Ham. Yeah, this was Myers. always the character. Yeah. David Moyes' lab. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been in there. Not sure I want to. But What's in David Moyes' lab? Yeah. I don't know. Um, someone's probably not. Maybe Arteta's been in there at some point. You know. Anyway, moving but... on to the Saturday kickoff, talking about teams that are struggling at the bottom, like Luton. We have two teams who have somehow both got a point now. I know. Uh, it was a perfect game for them to draw. I yeah. Think. I don't think either um, team ever wanted to win from what I watched. Pickford made an unbelievable save in the more or less the last kick of the game. Yeah, I saw that. That was what uh, it did one hit his head or something, like the second some, one. Some, yeah, there was a rebound, it, but it basically just hit him. He didn't know much about it, I don't think. But the first save was incredible. I was sure it was in. Um, I can't remember who got the header, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's in, it's interesting the situation for these two teams because they they both are going to be down there. I think um, it's safe to say, and um, I think both teams will feel a bit disappointed with the result. Sheffield United will feel like they could have won it. Everton were ahead, were they? They were. Uh, they yeah. First. So, yeah. Yeah, I think they'll feel slightly disappointed. They they let that go. But um, I think it has to be seen as a decent result, considering their starts to the season. Moving away from the Everton slander, that seems to be a weekly occurrence. I actually think their new striker, I think he's called Beto, is he? Beto oh, or yeah, Neto? Like he looks quite good. He looks like he's yeah. a, a Sean. He, he looks like he's been in the Sean Dyche one. Yeah. Well, I think they, I mean, it's an easy thing to say, but they did need a striker. Calvert-Lewin is not someone they can rely on for injury reasons. Uh, injury reasons. 
Yeah, Beto. Yeah, Beto. He looks quite good. And I think Dan Juma's got enough quality to score you a goal every now and again. He could get half a dozen a season, I reckon. Beto won the most duels in the game. And he also completed the most dribbles. There you go. He, he's very... Um, he's very good, good impact. Back against the goal striker, and then when he gets it in front of goal, he just runs. And then he, I watched him against uh, was it Doncaster play last week, and he came out oh, and yeah. looked crap. And then once he got a goal, he seemed to just kind of take the game away from yeah. the league two opposition, which for most of the game they were worse than. So that tells you what about yeah. Everton right now. Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's precarious for them, and um. They've also had a bit of, uh, they've had a lot of instability generally, but the uh, Damari Gray situation uh, yeah. at the end of the transfer window hasn't helped either. I always thought he'd be good for Sean Dyche, but clearly not. Yeah, I've, I think he has been, I think he's been good for Everton generally. You know, they've been one of the few, you know, sort of uh, bright lights in their team Yeah, for a while. I mean, it's not um, hard to shine, but. He's done okay. Given... I don't know. Did he just think of, I guess, moments come to mind. His last-minute winner against Arsenal two seasons ago. His yeah. equaliser at Man City last season. One of that the goals a, of the season. That was, that was a weird goal where he, like, he was like half on the floor and managed to score. <laughs> yeah. Um, no idea how Everton got a draw out of that game. But, um, oh. yeah, uh, it's a bit of a tangent. Uh, Who do we have at three o'clock, I was just about to say? Yeah, uh, we well we had Brentford, Brentford, Bournemouth, Burnley, Spurs, Chelsea, Forest. That's worth talking about. And Chelsea, yeah. uh, Man City, Fulham. Yeah, I think uh, Spurs have caught me a bit off guard. Anyway. They, yeah. Was it five two? Five two. Yeah. Oh. Madison again looks like a a very good signing. I think if you're talking about, you know. Players that seemed almost <coughs> need to just fit into a a perfect gap in a, in a team. Madison is another one. Hmm, he, he was a, there was a big Harry Kane shaped hole when and uh, Madison has filled it himself almost in terms of the, his leadership and his uh, personality on the pitch. Yeah, I think he seems to uh, make the team more fun. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and he again, annoyingly, seems like you know he's a nice guy. Um, he's hard not to like, and I mean that in a real way. Unlike when people said it about Son, people go, "Oh, how can't you like him?" I don't, it's I quite, don't. It's quite, it's quite easy to dislike Son, but I don't um, like him. No, uh, but Madison, I mean, he's he is a he's a very good player, mm. and uh, he's in the England that, in the England squad now as well. Yeah, he presented the uh, player of the season, player of the year award to Bukayo Saka, which was, um, which was nice. It was quite strange watching a Tottenham player be um, so friendly and pally with an Arsenal player in that way. But uh, it's quite refreshing, something I guess, when it's for England. And uh, but yeah, it was a. Uh, Tottenham do look a lot more exciting to watch now, and which I guess you'd expect. To, they've got a very different type of manager. Still not, I mean, I'm still not sure. I think the scoreline is maybe a bit more convincing than their performance was 
Burnley had 16 shots. So, you know, I'm not I'm not sure it's totally reflective of Tottenham being, you know, amazingly dominant, but I think they deserve to win and they played very well. Do you think people have oversold Burnley in their estimations? Because they're another team um, with zero points. I think this, I, I mean, again, I think it's a bit early to say. I think they probably, I think any idea that Burnley were going to be in the top half or pushing for Europe, if anyone yeah. actually predicted that was obviously going to be far-fetched. I think it's very early to say they're definitely going to get relegated. I mean, as I said, they did. I mean, they went 1-0 up. I mean, mm. That's an easy thing to forget when you look at the scoreline. Having 16 shots, it's, I mean, they were dangerous. They did cause Tottenham problems. It's not like Tottenham were in control the whole time. Um, it's, uh, But Tottenham were ruthless. I think probably... Uh, in a, in a way that's more reminiscent of maybe what they were like in Conte's first season in the t- yeah. terms of the, they, clinical. they were clinical. Yeah. And they did yeah. have lots of chances as well. I mean, they, they could easily, you know, have been more clinical, but I think, you know, nine times out of 10, probably, probably not the sort of game they score five goals in, but they were they were ruthless and they killed the game when they got the chances. Might be a confidence thing as well. I'm you sure know, it is. They're on a high, even though they got knocked out of the League Cup. And also, I think it helped Tottenham that they came into the season with very little pressure on them in terms of expectations. Yeah. Um, a lot of people had them quite low to where they normally finish. Yeah. Well, I think there was almost a sort of assumption that they wouldn't be in the top six, that... Newcastle had kind of got their place and yeah. Tottenham would probably need a year to get back into it at least. But I think given the way they have started the season and we'll get on to Newcastle and Man United in a bit but um, and Chelsea, obviously. But um, I think the fact that some of those teams haven't been very convincing and Tottenham have looked pretty good, I think has probably made people reassess what... Tottenham could achieve this season but I think yeah I think top six would be good for them at the moment mm. Talking of Chelsea that's who I wanted to talk about next they've uh, had yeah, a bit of a had, a had a bit of a wobble haven't they? Uh, <laughs> yeah a bit of a wobble I think it's a, it's a smile more of a, I don't think they've stopped wobbling from around <laughs> this time last year um, the jelly. and arguably earlier uh, but They've been on a very constant and increasingly aggressive wobble for some time, and uh, they are aggressive wobble. What a word! Yeah, and so I think some people thought Pochettino was going to get a grip of their wobble. He was going to stabilise them, keep them, you know, in a in a more in a more comfortable kind of uh, position. But no, they are still wobbling, um, and no one seems to be able to stop them from wobbling. Yeah, they just keep on signing players. Like, who did they sign last week? I swear they signed someone else last week, and I can't even remember. <laughs> um, yeah, you're you're right. They did sign someone because I, I don't remember. I've I've stopped keeping count. I thought they might tone it down this summer, but no. No. Um... <laughs> who did it down? Cole Palmer. That's who they signed. Yeah, someone who sits that's on the bench. Someone. They sit on that's the bench. Really... City. Yeah. 40 million. 40 million. 45, what was that with add-on? 
summer, yeah, forty five, somewhere like that, fifty or something. That's such I mean, a weird signing. Considering that Arsenal got Gabriel Jesus <laughs> for forty five million, and that was only a year ago. I mean, it's it's just a crazy signing, and this is after apparently being interested in Emil Smith Rowe. You know, jumping between other, you know, their rivals' academy products, and they've ended up with Cole Palmer. It's it's weird. I, I don't get it. I don't get how he's worth that much. I've heard explanations for big transfer fees in the past, like it's about how much he's worth to the to a team, to the team buying or to the team selling. I don't see how he's worth that much to either Man City or Chelsea. He's not he going to start. start. Exactly, yeah. he's not going to start. And they spent a billion in the last three windows or something stupid like that, and they've only got one striker. It, it, I don't know what's happening. And that striker's Jackson, who, aside from he, he's had a promising start, but in terms of actually scoring goals, it's looking he looks like a Chelsea striker in as much as he doesn't seem very good at scoring goals. He wants um, to score goals, but he can't. And he gets into good positions and gets good chances and finds ways not to score, even when it seems like that's the harder thing to do. Well, yeah. Almost practically missed an open goal in this game. Um, I didn't I know see that. Kind of on the stretch and leaning back a bit, but he was about four. He was about he was basically in the six-yard box, I think, in memory. Tyrell yeah. Wendy's uh, streak broke, which I was quite sad about. Yeah, I kind of I feel responsible. I, because we mentioned it. Um, Hold on your hands. Yeah, I think we we shouldn't have mentioned it. Um, we were selfish. We wanted <laughs> to talk about it because it was an interesting topic. We shouldn't have. We've ruined it for him, and everyone will forget this. Taiwo, if you listen, we apologise. Yeah, I'm sorry, Taiwo. <laughs> um, it's our fault. Uh... But um, yeah, Alanga has has had another. Good game for us. Another good impact off the bench. Yeah, like I'm, got, I'm happy for him. Goal at Chelsea. He's a he's an okay player. I think he's more suited to a team like Nottingham Forest where he can, he can just run at his license. Because I think if you give him the ball and run, then he'll be fine. But if you try and make him do stuff with the ball, that's when it kind of comes into a bit of a mess. But he seems to be doing well so far, so I'm happy for him. Did you see the chance he made for himself in injury time? Oh, yeah, that was very nice. Yeah. Uh, Mudrick does not come off very well in that uh, oh, he's, in that passage of play. But he's, uh, he's, not, he's not living up to his price tag. <laughs> um, no, even if they paid half of what they paid for him, he wouldn't be living up to it. No. He's I not feel, scored yet, I don't think. No, I don't think he has. I feel sorry for Alanga though because I think he came into United at a really unfortunate time, where well, yeah. he was he was like Ralph Ragnick's teacher's pet. No one, yeah. wants, no one wants to be Ralph Ragnick's teacher's pet. <laughs> wow. And then when it nah. came it when it came round to it, he just didn't get enough football, so he left. But I'm happy he's doing yeah. well, to be honest. Did he leave permanently? Yeah, Fif- fifteen million we got. But Cole Palmer's two and a half times more than him. I, I really don't get that. Like no. Cole Palmer looks like he could be good, but it feels a bit like I, I I've heard people justify Chelsea's expenditure by saying that they're, they're making calculated risks. I don't get how any of it's calculated. Or if it is what they're using to calculate it. 
In, in what world is that a, a risk that's worth it? They've sold a lot, but they've just added more crap. It's like if they if they trimmed it down, they might have a good, you know, a good core to the team. But you don't know who's going to play from one week to the next. They've signed like a billion pounds worth of like players with very limited experience. Yeah, who may or may not turn out the way they want them to, and put them on like ten-year contracts. Mm. So, I mean, they they've really gone all in on players who are basically just potential. Exactly, and you need to I mean, give them game time, and they're not all going yeah. to get game time. And I mean, Casado again didn't look entirely convincing. Gave away a penalty at West Ham. Gave away the ball for the goal. Yeah, um, Saturday. 115 million. Yeah, it make, makes you think that maybe a lot of why these players were so good were because of the teams they were playing in before and the managers they had. Yeah. Um, it's all joining rest, Chelsea. Joining Chelsea seems to be a club with um, not exactly the most coherent plan at the moment. Doesn't seem to be working for lots of players. Um, mm-hmm. Because I do not, I, I'm convinced that the players are. If you put them in a different team, they'd look a lot better. Yeah. And I think you can see that with Caicedo, Colwell, um, you know, even Mudrick, if you're looking at him at Shakhtar Donetsk, they don't convince me. Also, half the squad I've never heard of. I, I, I'm con- <laughs> Sometimes they bring players off the bench. I've never seen them before. <laughs> I, I don't really understand. It's very confusing watching them. Uh, and they haven't really. They faced Liverpool, I think. I don't think they faced any other of the top six, have they? So no. Uh, um, who have they got coming up? I know we play Arsenal playing them in, around October. We've got them um, in December, so I think they've got a really yeah. barren run once it gets to October. I think they've got all like the top six and the teams you don't want to be facing around then. Yeah, so they've got Bournemouth next, and then they've got Aston Villa, and then then Fulham, um, and then after that they have Burnley. All right, so it's not. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. And then they play Arsenal on the twenty first of October, so it's not a bad run of games. But I mean, Chelsea would a Chelsea fan really feel confident they're going to win all those games? Maybe because they're a bit delusional, but uh, at times. I think I think they they were very confident about their signings, but they've definitely been celebrating more about some of those transfers than the actual football. So hmm. I don't want to take any cheap digs, but you know I am enjoying it. Let's let's bring you back down to earth and remind you of what happened at Brighton then with Evan Ferguson. Yeah, that that upset me. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> It hurt me seeing all those points on my bench. Um, yeah. But he does look very good, Evan Ferguson. Um, Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle were one of the best defensive teams in the league last season. I mean, that they they don't look that convincing at the moment. I think it's a bit early. I think they've had a hard start to the season, so it's hard to mm. do much into it. But they lost five games last season. They've lost three in their first four. Wow. Um, so it's a very different kind of start for them. Yeah. Uh, 
they've got no uh, easy Champions League group to go along with it as well. That is the hardest group I've ever seen in the Champions League. It's a tough one think... to call. It's a tough one to call. I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle go through because I can see them winning at home against Dortmund and AC Milan. It wouldn't surprise me. I think PSG is going to be tough. They look good but now, they... PSG. On a, yeah. on a, on a uh, random note, they look quite good. Got yeah, I haven't watched them very much. I find it very hard to watch French football, or because mostly because I find it hard to care about it. Um, because it's a bit like Germany in that in that way. But um, it's a it's kind of a foregone <laughs> conclusion. Yeah, yeah, I think Newcastle. It, it, I think the Champions League thing. It's a probably an exciting challenge for them because they can not being yeah. in it for over two decades, but um, I think the the league it's it's hard to read too much into it. But they, I think, I think they might have been figured out a bit by some teams. Yeah, I think they're still asking the same questions of teams they were asking from last season, and I think people have clocked on. Or do you think it's a difference in the style that they're playing now? Because obviously, if you go from playing a player like Sean Longstaff to um, Sandro Tonali every week, it's gonna, yeah. you know, it's gonna change the way you're playing. And I yeah, can't, I can't remember if they've got any other. I mean, they play Anthony Gordon a lot more now, but that's that's the only real difference. But yeah, I, th- I think I think they'll be, I think they'll still have a decent season. So com- compared to what they used to have, but I think yeah, they'll yeah, struggle. Definitely. I think they'll struggle a bit more, definitely between now and uh, Christmas time. Yeah, well, I think last season, them getting top four, they benefited a lot. I mean, they had a great, great season, but I think I said this in an earlier episode that I think they benefited a lot from the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea and Spurs having, yeah, by their standards, very bad seasons. Mm. And um, I think. I think that you know, obviously they finished fourth, so they benefited from that more than anyone else, um, probably. And I think this season is going to be harder for them to stay in that position. Um, but I, th- I think they've they've got the resources, um, you know, in terms of the squad and the manager um, to challenge for the top four. I just don't think their start to the season means they won't because lots of people will drop points at Brighton. Lots of teams are going to drop points at City and home to Liverpool. Um, mm. So, don't think... And also, they, they made, you know, easy work of Aston Villa, which, I mean, we'll get onto them as well. But... Um, yeah. Talking of yeah, Brighton, I, though, and their Europe... Brighton. They've got a nice little uh, Europa League group. Yeah, and I think Brighton's chances of top six, while... An outside chance shouldn't be written off or underestimated too much because they look good. And I mean, every year Brighton will sell some of their best players and people will go, okay, well, they're going to struggle a bit. And they always somehow manage to find someone just as good who no yeah. one's ever heard of. We've always got, got um, someone in, someone in the production lines to um, come and meet whatever difficulty they face. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, I mean, Billy Gilmore looks like a very good CDM all of a sudden. Yeah, 
uh, I kind of kind of forgot about him to be honest. And then... Yes, so had I. I mean, he had a bit of a tough time on loan Norwich, didn't he? Um, uh, uh, is that where he was? And um, but he, I think some people said that his long term, you know, sort of trajectory could be as a DM. And uh, I think that's the first time I kind of saw that. You know, I could see it in reality. What people meant. It did look pretty good. It's a good performance by him. Yeah. Um, but Brighton are very good at seeing good opportunities, but maybe That's other cool. teams uh, overlook them. And Billy Gilmore looks like a very clever signing at the moment. Definitely. And then moving on to Sunday, we had um, Crystal Palace Wolves. Of I think uh, Palace won that, didn't they? Three one. about did we talk about Man City? We need to talk about Man City. They're, they're just, they're, I mean, they're just... The offside goal. Yeah, they're just good. That goal shouldn't have stood. And I've watched what the VAR... Have you seen the VAR assistant speaking over it? Um, not, not properly yet. I, just, I've, I've, kind of, I've, I've been tempted to watch it, but it just kind of irritates me. They're just hearing. clueless. They're just yeah. clueless. They're just clueless. Like, it's very obviously offside and... Go two one up just before half time changes the complete direction of that game, and um, I think it's pretty unfair on a man on, on, on Fulham. I just I just saw actually we were talking about Damari Gray. He's just joined Al Etifak in uh, Saudi Arabia uh, live on, live live on air. <laughs> good luck, good luck to him. News. Yeah, um, be playing under Steven Gerrard. So. Oh yeah. And he'll be playing with Jordan Anderson, lucky guy. Well, yeah, he's got to play under Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard, the golden oh. generation of managers. Um, if only he played for uh, 2019 Oldham, then he could have played under Paul Scholes as well. Yeah. Um, where did Sol Campbell manage? Was it Tranmere? I don't know. It, I it was uh, not County. I don't I need to look at this. I need to look this up. Where did so this bit of a tangent? I saw Sol Campbell once in uh, London Euston after um, Oldham had just beaten Fulham in the FA Cup, and the man is absolutely massive. He is big. Oh, okay. It was was some town in South End. Yeah. Yeah. Well, didn't go on loan there. Demari Gray. Oh, well. Uh, So, Sunday. Sunday, so Crystal Palace beat Wolves and then Liverpool battered Villa, which I didn't see coming. I saw it coming. I said it. I, With, I um, said Aston, Aston Villa. Season Emery. I, I know Unai Emery teams. I, I saw one. I watched one. I know what happens when an Unai Emery team goes away to an actually good team. And I, I could see this coming a mile off. Um, Aston Villa are going to be very... Uh, solid at home they'll be solid when they're playing teams who are better than but when they play an actually good team away from home in a mildly intimidating atmosphere they are going to get pissed all over and um, (laughs) that has happened on the two occasions where that theory has been tested so I'm feeling pretty vindicated about that at the moment Liverpool have made a good start to the season they have um, which I think you'd expect um, given the, I mean, their team and who they've played. Yeah. Um, 
they got that result last week at Newcastle, and then it seems to have given them a bit of a, a boost up yeah. kind of thing early yeah. in the season. I think the Newcastle result is the, the big, big result of yeah. their first few games. Um, yeah, that in itself is, uh, you know, almost, it's, it's one of those big moments at the start of the season that, that, you know, you'd hope will set the tone for what comes later. But the way Liverpool won it, not just the result, but the fact they backs against the wall with 10 men for most of the game and two late goals to win it is, yeah, you, if you don't get momentum from a result like that, you know, what else, what other hope do you have? So, What do you think of, um, do you think Salah will stay? I think the window shuts today yeah. or tomorrow in Saudi. I, I think he'll stay. I think I he'll go next year. But I would have got. I wouldn't. I would have sold him. You know, hundred and fifty million. Yeah, I think. I guess the issue is so late in the window. How do you replace him? Like he's still probably their best player. Yeah, uh, but they're so. not. Good, they're not expected to win the league this season. They'll be fine in the Europa League. I don't think Liverpool have ever really taken the cup seriously. By the time it comes around to January, you could invest a lot of that money into someone very good. It's true. I guess it's just is the one hundred. You know, they didn't get top four last season, and yeah. the way Liverpool are run as a club, they'll be thinking they need to get it this season. Um, mm. So I think to them, if selling Salah and not having, you know his output or someone with his output for half a season, maybe longer, um, is the difference between them getting top four or not, that that actually might not be worth it. Uh, but actually, I mean, we need to stop talking about top four because it's actually probably top five this season because of the change in rules. Yeah, I um, still don't know. No, I still don't know how that works. Is it like, so say... It's to do with the coefficient ranking of each country so I guess it's the two I think the two top coefficients in Europe get an extra place so right. I, I think it's only based on an individual season I think right. okay I think if English, I think if English teams do very well in Europe this season we'll get an extra place I think well, that's sure, how it works surely England will be right at the top with a West Ham and yeah. City winning last year yeah you'd expect that so yeah, I, I I don't know if it's based on previous seasons or just this season. No, that's the the only thing. But um, I think either way, there's a good chance it will be we get a fifth Champions League place. So um, what I'm what that, I'm interested in is say it's like um a Liverpool or a United or a Chelsea, someone who's won a few European cups and they finish yeah. fifth. Does that mean they're more likely to get it than, say, like Brighton finishes there or Newcastle or something like that? No. Okay. No, I don't think so. It's just it's just the league. So the league's right, total okay. coefficient for how their teams do in Europe. I think, on, I think it might just be on that particular season. So if English teams do well in Europe this year, say an English team wins the Champions League or the Europa League, we'd probably get a fifth place based on that. And then, yeah, then it opens it up for other teams, I think, to right. have, have It's funny to me that they've made this, that this rule has come, come in just as Arsenal get back into title contention, you know, when, when, when finishing fifth is not on the agenda anymore. Yeah. Uh, United and Arsenal, well, United could probably still do with this, but Arsenal could have done with this a few years ago, definitely. It's, it's a bit like when they got rid of the away goal rule on like the first year Arsenal were out of Europe in two decades. 
like they wait for it to not apply to Arsenal anymore. Uh, but yeah, I would the, say that the new system of the Champions League is quite weird that comes into play next season. It's yeah, like it will be, yeah, it's like a Super League. Who would, have, who would have seen that coming? I know that. I mean, that just wasn't on the wall at all, was it? Um, <laughs> a, a European competition in league format. I mean, I, 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 I did not have this on my list of possible outcomes, but. You know, football, you can't predict it, can you? Um, it'll be interesting to see how it works. I don't know how it will feel during the season, effectively being part of two leagues. What is, what is it? You have to be in like the top eight or is it like the top? I don't know how it works again. Uh, top. It's just instead of the group stages. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Moving on to uh, the late game on Sunday, we have the uh, the main event. Arsenal versus Manchester United, something we were both invested in. Um, I was there. Zishan watched it on TV, I'm guessing. You watched it on TV. I did, yeah. Even yeah. though I'm in the away... I'm, I'm now in the away ticket, but it's impossible to get uh, out I don't, I don't know how it works with Man United uh, and away tickets, but... Uh, you have to yeah. sell your soul pretty much for the devil. Yeah. I, I had nowhere near enough waypoints to get United away at the moment, but uh, I've got until May to try and build them up, I guess. But um, what did you think? So, uh, Man United scored first for their first shot of the game. You did. 27 minutes. Um, and what were you feeling at that point? I was feeling like whatever the plan was, it wasn't exactly clear what it was, but it worked. And then 35 seconds later, it seemed, oh, we're back to again. Yeah, I mean, what I felt, and I think they they showed on, they show I, they showed on Sky Sports during the game. I, I've seen a uh, deals of it online that um, Man United had more passes in their own half in the first half against Arsenal than in the entire game in their previous three games of the season. Mm. Yeah, um, it was very um, methodical how we passed it. it. Around. What it what it felt like watching it, and what I think, and I think this is probably accurate in terms of what Man United wanted to do is that they were thinking Arsenal are a high pressing team. If they keep the ball deep, and they can suck Arsenal up the pitch and mm. catch them out of position, and I think Arsenal. I mean, it worked. I think what I think. I'm not sure it did though because I think Arsenal realised this and let Man United have it quite deep in their own half and didn't really press too aggressively. And so what ended up happening for a lot of the first, most of the first half an hour or so, was Man United had a lot of the ball, but it was a and I think Anana had more touches than anyone else yeah, in a Man United had, shirt. Yep, the ball but a lot. It felt a lot like Man United's defenders were passing it between each other. It would go back to Inanna, back to the defenders, occasionally go long and they'd lose the ball. And that that's kind of what happened. It wasn't a very exciting game until the goal. No. Um, and um, But it did feel a lot like United thought, we'll wait for Arsenal to press us. Arsenal thought, we'll wait for them to go long. And it was a bit cat and mouse in that sense for you know the first half an hour. I mean, that's okay. how we got our first goal, and you could say, well, the second, the se- second inverted quote marks goal yeah. 
that we got was through a similar passage of play. I, I think what it seems like was that United looked most threatening and really the only times I felt um, like United looked dangerous was in transition. And that's where the goal came from. It was uh, yeah. Averts gave the ball away. He's um, not very. He's not been very good yet. I thought it was interesting with Havertz because I thought he was actually quite good off the ball. I thought his defensive work rate, work rate is, I think it has been very good in every game he's played. I think he he tends to win. He wins the ball back a lot. Um, I think he gets into good positions, but on the ball he seems to lack a lot of confidence at the moment. And uh, mm. and I think yeah, I mean you could kind of see it even in the way he gave the ball ball away for the goal. Um, it was kind of a bit tame, the pass. There wasn't yeah. really, and there wasn't very little power on it. It felt a bit, um, uh, was the word lethargic as a pass? It was a bit almost half hearted, it looked, and um, got intercepted. Ericsson uh, played a brilliant through ball to Rashford. Ben White didn't get tight enough to him. I think Rashford caused Ben White problems all game. Yeah. Ben White really struggled. He comes um, to, to be honest. And he did last year as well. I remember last season, Ben White came off at half-time because he was on a yellow card. Um, yeah. um, he's, Rashford and um, causes Ben White a lot of problems and um, didn't get tight enough. And Rashford scored um, at the Emirates again for the second year in a row. Good and, um, goal, to be fair to It was a good goal. but I, I, didn't think, I didn't think he was going to finish it. You know, he was kind of like behind his body. Yeah, Ramsdale put a hand to it as well yeah, when it was close to the end. But, good goal. But, and then Arsenal scored a really good goal straight after. Nice work. Yeah, it's, it's too it's, easy from United, though. Far too easy. Yeah. Well, I think it was the goal. It was one of the first times, really, where Arsenal moved the ball quickly. We'd had mm. the ball in dangerous positions. Obviously, we'd had good chances. We'd had a Havertz chance. Uh, Declan Rice had headed over from a corner. Um, but that was the first time when we really moved the ball quickly <coughs> and cut United open. Mm. And um, yeah, I think it looked way easier than it should have. But I think it was a brilliant move from Arsenal. Um, yeah. Zinchenko at the heart of it. There was a very good um, uh, flick from Martinelli. Ended up getting the assist. It was a very good team goal um, and a very uh, signature Odegaard goal. Um, I think you know he's, he scores lots of goals from that position, and he's really yeah. mastered that finish as well. I think Arsenal didn't look their best though. Like they were, we, we probably, they were probably the better team, but you didn't look your best. You know, there was a lot of passes that were misplaced or too slow or too fast or too wide, stuff like that. I don't I, think Saka was at his all his strengths in the game. I don't, I don't think Arsenal were at. I don't think we were at our best at all. Um, no. I don't think um, I don't think we were at our best, but I I really didn't think that United were very good. And no. I felt that I felt like if it had been a draw, but I would have been more angry at Arsenal than than anyone else because I think that we I I can remember before before we scored the second goal, I was getting very frustrated. We had the ball a lot, but it felt very. Like we weren't playing with much urgency. We were moving the ball a bit too slowly. It yeah. felt a bit, everything felt a bit forced. And it, it, it was, a, we weren't as fluid as we were 
this time last season, which I understand, and um, but uh, it's uh, it was frustrating. Um, but I think we deserved. I think we. I think the result was deserved. But I think if it had been a draw, we would have only had ourselves to blame. Um, mm, definitely. I think you, well, United could have nicked it at the end as well. You know, fine margins. Uh, the, yeah. manag- the manager said it wasn't offside, but I haven't seen an angle where it wasn't. I mean, it's it's one of them where after you, the game, you're thinking, oh, VAR, this, that, this. But it will level out as, as the season goes on, hopefully. Ten Hag sounded very bitter after the game to me. That's the first time I've ever seen him like that as well, which was a surprise. Yeah, it was quite... I mean, it's quite disappointing to see that from a, from a manager because normally, I mean, I can understand if he was complaining about decisions when they were, when they were actually contentious. But I mean, offsides are objective. Yeah. And um, it's not like one of those ones last season where there was a case, there was a one where the Brentford equaliser against Arsenal they'd forgotten to draw the lines on an offside player. That didn't happen. There was a Brighton goal at Crystal Palace that got disallowed because they'd drawn the line on the wrong player. Again, you can't say that. It was just a close offside. Um, I would I would like to see... My only complaint with offsides in VAR, though, is I would like to see the, um, you know, like the 3D screens they have. Yeah. Was it in the World Cup they had them? Yeah. But the yeah. thing is, though, I think... I think they help people, a lot. I've seen Man United fans online mention this, but I, I just think if they use that technology, which I think they will eventually, but there's no leeway at all um it's you know if it's offside it's offside at least with the premier league system it gives a three centimeter um benefit of the doubt so that if the lines are touching they stick with the on-field decision Hmm. um the fact that the lines weren't touching means there's pretty there there is daylight between the attacker and the defender it's not actually i mean i think they were explaining this i think on sky sports but actually, the way they use the VAR sides, and I don't like the, them all the time, but it's actually not that contentious a decision for VAR. That it, the, like, there's a clear daylight between the lines. Hmm. And I think the angle made it look closer than it probably was. Um, yeah. I think he was offside, but I, I remember when he scored, the people around me were convinced it was onside. Um, and I mean, so it's it- really. It look, it it's one of them that looks on the line, like literally the body parts are equal, but when you get down to the millimetres and the inches, then yeah. you find out it's not. But it swings and it swings around about. So you gotta take yeah. the bad, you know what I mean? We'll get a decision that favours us in that way sometimes. Well, know? I mean, yeah, I mean it was actually a very good bit of defending from Gabriel to realise that uh he was going for on goal and to uh, effectively halt his run. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, he looks of, like a dolphin. Yeah. yeah, and um, and he that decision to uh, effectively just stop, uh, is what played him offside and was the difference between Arsenal winning and losing this game. Um, five margins. I think it felt like, especially after the Havertz penalty was overturned, I felt I had a very horrible feeling in the bottom, of, you know, in the pit of my stomach that United yeah. were going to score a goal on the counter attack and nick it. And um, it was a. Uh, I think that the, when the goal got overturned, it was a it was a big relief, but also felt like almost the uh, the, the sods law effect had swung back in our favour. Yeah, that yeah. was that wasn't a penalty on Havertz. I thought at first instinct it was. I think, 
Yeah, again, it looked like a penalty in real time. I think, I think I, the thing I'm not sure it was a clear and obvious error to overturn it. I, I think a lot of the I was time surprised they overturned it. I was surprised yeah. they overturned it. To be honest, I think normally if it's that like um, close on the day, then yeah, they'll probably give it normally. But I think United should have had a penalty from the Angles I've seen. Which one? On Gab- Gabriel Hoyland, who who looked who looked very good to be honest. When oh, he came good. Yeah. I don't think that was a penalty. Um, he's, he's grabbing his body in the box. So he's just like... I think Hoyland grabs Gabriel first, and he falls over. I mean, Gabriel's trying to shield the ball, and Hoyland falls over because he tries to shoot, hmm. and this is his balance. He yeah. just can't reach the ball. I don't think it's a penalty. Um, I think it would be a really like an unbelievably harsh penalty. Um, yeah, you've seen it given before, though, definitely. Yeah, but I think it's just one of those things where you know they're both. You know, it's about it's a backward <laughs> strike, and I think Gabriel just about wins it, and I don't think he's done anything, you know, too outrageous to, for it to be a, a foul. Uh, but yeah, I I think, I think ultimately, I mean, United, I think about. I mean, it's about something like 85% of the game was played in Man United's half. Mm. Um, they had two shots on target in the game. I think Arsenal winning is a, is a, is a fair result, but the, the way we won was a, it was a very satisfying way of winning, um, put it that way. Um, From a uh, United perspective, it wasn't really a 3-1 game. Obviously, you got that last goal right at death, but I think... You know, we've got an inherent problem against top six sides away from home. We've already lost twice this season. So, it, we, yeah, we started this season now. We started last two wins, two losses. But I just hope it gets better from here. But my main concern is off the field. I mean, we can talk about this another day. But off the field, about United now, it's just one problem after the other. And it's it's exhausting. Honestly, it's been four games, no more than a month. And it's just... I just I can't be bothered anymore. It's just every day there's something new. Yeah, someone's got something to say, or there's something new. You never see anyone just put put it put it to like do what you're supposed to do on the football pitch, or you know yeah. treat you treat your girlfriend with respect or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, it's it's, it's just an ah. Oh, yeah. It's just annoying me off the field, and then we've got the ownership thing, which I could do a whole series of podcasts on it's just well going yeah. back on, i think we had a plan it could have worked but defensively we weren't solid enough and i think we looked quite timid at times and then yeah. when you get when you get down to the bones when you get you have leicester's city's 2019 yeah. defense ending the game it just it just shows yeah. how things are going I, you know what i mean i was going to say that um if you um, have a bad away record and you end up finishing the game with Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans at centre-back, I think mm. you're kind of asking for it. It's um, <laughs> Definitely. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I was very surprised by... I mean, surpri- I'm not sure necessarily surprised is the right word because I think it was a, probably a similar approach to how United um, played last season at the Emirates. But I think... Because I watched your game against Tottenham and I know Arsenal and Tottenham are are not the same level nowadays. But um, United, even though they lost that and didn't score, I thought United actually created a lot of good chances. They probably 
in the first right. half with a better team. We should they have were quite, quite, yeah, United played on the front foot. Whereas at the Emirates, United felt very negative and mm. it felt like a, a more comparable approach to the game to how Fulham and Nottingham Forest set up at the Emirates than mm. to how a Liverpool or a Man City um, or even a Chelsea would play at the Emirates. Um, yeah. I mean, we beat Chelsea pretty comfortably, so I mean, it's not saying a lot. Um, but I just thought it was a bit, it felt very negative from Man United. And I, I think if I was a Man United fan, which I'm not, thankfully, but if, if I was, um, I, I don't think I'd feel very encouraged by, and not wow. just the performance, but the way, the way United approached the game felt very, very negative. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I would have been very disappointed if Arsenal hadn't won. Oh, well. We're, we're I, was, I was very happy. Um, I bet you were. But, um, it was also, it's probably, I think, when Declan Rice scored and then also when Gabriel Jesus scored, I think it was one of the loudest noises I've heard at the Emirates. Um, and yeah, the atmosphere has been very good at the Emirates for the last two years or so. But um, we've had some good moments in the last season or two. But um, yeah, that that moment at the end, the whole stadium was on their feet, waiting for full time, and Gabriel Jesus goes through on goal. It's just um, elation, isn't it? You know. Yeah, it's a like a huge release of emotion. Um, yeah, and I'm I missed the Bournemouth game last season, so I feel like this makes up for that. Um, uh, it felt felt like a it felt. It's very early in the season, but it felt like a big moment, and it, hopefully that will be the uh, the moment our season properly takes off. Because I feel yeah. like we've, we've got out second gear yet this season, and hopefully that will be the point it clips. Would you say that's your moment of the week, then? Yeah, it's it is, it is. I think it is. If if we if we're going for a, a non-footballing moment of the week, I could give something else. What um, are you going to give? Then? Uh, hmm. I well, I I saw. I watched Oppenheimer for a second time on on uh, Saturday. Uh, I liked it more the second time. I liked it the first time. I liked it even more the second time. What I understood the, understood the black and white thing. I first yeah. time I wasn't really sure. Second time I got it straight away. Realised in colour it's Oppenheimer's perspective, and in black and white it isn't. And that that so you know just in case you're unsure and you've seen the movie, that's mm. what it is. Take it from me. I've seen it twice. <laughs> Harry, the film expert. If anyone's uh, film expert is Harry. Uh, what was your moment of the week? Um, well, I, I've had a chest infection for the last week. So the moments have been limited. Um, I watched The Equalizer on Saturday. Oh, how was that? It was, it was all right, yeah. Decent film, better than what I thought it'd be. Um, okay. I finished Succession. I don't know if you've That's very that. good. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk about that another day because I saw you use yeah. that. I saw you use that meme for Evan Ferguson of Kendall right yeah. there. But yeah, that's yeah. I'll finish that. That's good. Um, oh, I know what it is. I um on Monday night I went to watch my other first live podcast. Oh. Uh, talk of the Devils. If anyone's listening from there, I highly doubt it. The United, United um, Athletic podcast, they did a show in Manchester and it was very good. Was very mm. good. That's good. 500 people there on a Monday night. 
quite quite the appearance. Yeah, they talk about anything interesting. Um, just just generally talked about the Arsenal game and then the Sancho business at the start, and then some stories. Andy Mitten, who's like a well-renowned United journalist, he talked about how uh, is how he pissed off the whole um, treble-winning team when when he was younger, and um, how he did an interview with Maradona. Ah, that's pretty cool. And Maradona said he he supported United, but he changed because his uh, nephew is at City now because his uh, son-in-law is um, Conaguero. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, but no, it was a good week. It was, okay. it was a decent week, apart from the fact I couldn't hardly breathe for half of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, breathing's important, so that would that'd be a bit of a bummer. But, yeah. Um, then that, what's your piece of advice? Yeah, well, my, my piece of advice... Breathing is important and breathing is important. Um, continue to do that, and um, unless you're underwater, um, don't don't do it underwater. Oh I've tried and it doesn't work. Um, right, okay. Um, I made that uh, mistake again. How do you um, think of these? Unless you're underwater, right? Yeah, that works. Okay. Uh, are you got anything else to say? No, I don't think so. Um, uh, are we going to be back next week or week can, after? We can be back next week. We can do a little preview, talk about anything that's happening. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll hopefully see you next week. Unless yeah, see you. Uh, per- perishes away. Yeah, after the international break, and we can talk about uh, the the exciting, interesting stuff again. Um, <coughs> all right thanks for listening again thanks for sitting through and uh thanks for all the spot last week as well uh i hope you enjoyed that podcast because we certainly did yes thank you yeah see you soon everyone see you next time mm-hmm.